You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Building the Buckeyes. I'm your host, Andrew Land, and I'm joined once again by SI All-American Director of Recruiting, John Garcia. I appreciate you coming on this week, John. Yes, sir, Andrew. Good to be back on with you. It's, uh, it's getting towards crunch time, so a uh, lot to talk about as always. Definitely. So I just want to jump right in today and talk about the newest Ohio State commitment, Avery Henry, who announced his pledge last Wednesday. Henry is a massive offensive tackle from Southeast Ohio, who isn't exactly the highest rated recruit in this state. But after losing more than 65 pounds from his nearly 400-pound frame in the last year, he landed an offer from the Buckeyes and committed just a few days later. So, can you talk about what you've heard about Henry, as well as how impactful a developmental prospect like this can be if he hits? 65 pounds for a high school kid is, is a lot. Um, and, and I was surprised to learn that recently. Uh, I mean, you look at the kid now, right? I mean, you kind of stalk his social media a little bit, and, and he's cut. Like he's, he's borderline ripped, uh, homecoming king at his school. I mean, it's like the total opposite of what you would expect. You wouldn't expect him to be a heavy kid who lost all this weight. Um, so you, you understand before anything football-wise, Andrew, this kid can commit to something, work through the peaks and valleys of it, and see the other side. So I think at every position that's important. But on the offensive line, obviously, that's uber important given some of the tall tasks at hand uh, for, for any offensive lineman. And given the long-term play that he is theoretically going to be until he suits up in, in, a, in a meaningful way for OSU. So I think right off rip, you are, you're starting from a very good point because this kid's already gone through a lot. Uh, and then you watch the tape a little bit and you see, you see kind of the adjustment that's being made. I mean, this is, this is basically a kid working with a totally new body. So there's, there's adjustments to be made with your motor skills, with your leverage, with your balance that I think are still somewhat developing. But if you hit on something like this and look, he's got the measurables, right? Six, five, six, six, long, extremely long arms. If you hit on this, it is a, a huge feather in the cap. Reminds me of what the Florida Gators did with Ethan White, who was I believe above 400 pounds at one point as a senior in high school and over the last couple of years has dropped the weight to the point where he's been a, a, a starting guard for the Gators pretty much all year long. And, and while they haven't been as, as good as Ohio state, their offense has been pretty strong most uh, of 2021. And Ethan white is kind of a stalwart there in the middle of, of that Gator front. And he's lost, I don't know the number, but something in the same range as what we're talking about here with Avery. So there is a precedent for this. 
And if it hits, it just gives your staff that much more credibility and, and belief on the trail, if, if anything, perceptionally, uh, even more so with, with guys like you and me who see it from, from the outside looking in. So I think this was an interesting take, but I, I always like when staffs trust their gut with an evaluation. Like when USC took Devin Brown's commitment and Devin Brown's an Ohio State target before the Buckeyes fans get on me, when they took his commitment, he, his TD interception ratio was like 16 to nine as a sophomore. He, he, he had the tools, but the production wasn't there at the position where we always need to see production. They love the eval. They, they took the kid and now he's the most coveted quarterback left in the class of 2022. So I love when staffs trust their gut, trust their evaluation with kids and see something that the industry does not. So I'm always in favor of that, even if it makes me look stupid five years from now. That's definitely something that, you know, when when you're projecting out these kids, it's very difficult to tell, you know, what their what their ultimate ceiling is. But then if you look back at what Ohio State has done recently, and especially with left tackle Dewan Jones, who is a current starter, you know, he was somebody who was playing basketball. Everybody thought that he that was where his future was, but they saw him as a 6'8", 350 kid. And he only was a, you know, a three-star prospect nationally, like not very highly recruited. And they, they took him, developed him, developed his body and, and look where he's at now. So I see a lot of similarities with, with him and, and Avery Henry. When you miss as a coaching staff, you want to miss with an athlete. You want to miss with the measurables. So those are there, as you mentioned, um, with the current starter. Those exist right now. You're not going to miss on the, you know, uh, the six foot three offensive lineman who's really good on Friday nights, but you just don't know how it translates. You're going to miss with the measurables. That's the modern approach. That's the current approach. And I believe it applies even to the, to the blue bloods, even to the Ohio States of the world. So when there's precedent there, again, it just makes more sense. I mean, he's an Ohio kid, obviously. I mean, local, semi-local to the program, which also helps. Um, so I just think it kind of ties it up in a nice bow. And again, the, these staffs want this. They want to find that potential needle in a haystack, diamond in a rough, throw any cliche out there that you want. These staffs look for that. And don't underestimate the recruiting departments at some of these schools. I was just looking at some recruiting staff budgets and, and it, you know, most of the great schools are well into the millions. There are so many people watching film, so many people cutting up film. And it has to go through so many measures to get to the position coach and then the coordinator and then to Ryan Day. Don't underestimate all the boxes this kid had to check every step up of that ladder up until the head coach says, you know what, give that kid a green light. Um, so it's let's not also not look at this as, hey, Ohio State's trying to get cute in recruiting. No, this had to pass through a lot of eyeballs, a lot of football brains to get today and that green light, which the kid accepted. I think you made two really good points. One about just the eyeballs on it. You know, if he's somebody who develops into a, a top tier player, you know, a high, a high round selection in a future NFL draft, Ohio State can point to it and say, look what we did with this kid that nobody else wanted at the time we took his commitment. And then at the other side of it, you know, it's, it speaks to just the situation that Ohio State is in. You know, very few programs can say this, but they're able to take those developmental prospects and do something with them because maybe they don't have to hit on everybody just because of how well they're recruiting all the time. 
one hundred percent. And when you when you're looking at a potential de- developmental long term play, you got to have some factors that make sense. So again, going back to he's an Ohio kid. He was a he recognizes himself as a late bloomer because you're also worried about the portal, right? You're also in this modern age, if you recruit five linemen that are in the top 100 and you get all of them the guys who are three four and five on the depth chart whenever that dust settles with with those group with that group probably either gonna not be happy and or move on it's just the nature of the game right now so if you are going to hit on a developmental kid he needs to know that's part of the plan in this case which he does and and again he's got the tangible proof to show you that he he is willing to stick it out and stay consistent on a long-term play, which you have to do. I don't care how young you are, what you have to do when you, when you are losing weight and literally transforming your body. I think that that's a really good point as well, because if you think about it, especially in today's age with, you know, the transfer portal and kids can just up and leave, keep their red shirt if they don't play in four games in a year and so forth. These are the kids, the in-state kids, the ones that grew up wanting to play for the Buckeyes, those are the kids that you have to use to fill out your roster. So even if he doesn't necessarily become a a starter at any point in time in his career, he's going to be in it for the long haul just because he always grew up rooting for the Buckeyes and wanting to be a Buckeye. Exactly. I mean, this is, we want to outsmart the room, but not your room. Like still, it's all about self-awareness. And it goes both ways here for both Avery and the Buckeyes. You have to be self-aware of your situation in order for it to work long term um so yeah if it's 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 a simple transaction if you if your dream has been to play here for however long this is what it's going to take to get there and now we know you can see something through to the other side I think it's worth noting that the last time that Ohio State flipped somebody effectively from Iowa State because that's that's what Henry basically did you know he was committed to Iowa State took his visit to Ohio State for the Akron game last month decommitted from Iowa State got an offer from Ohio State and then committed a few days later the last person to do that was Mayan Williams and look what kind of impact he's having. And he was only a, you know, a lower level recruit in the state of Ohio, but he's, yep. he's you know, having an impact for the Buckeyes now. Exactly. And there, there, and there are eyes dotted uh, to make a nice pun all, all over that roster. It's, it's in every every big time program has that, you know, Alabama's lead back is a Tuscaloosa kid who came in with Najee Harris. So guess who was getting none of the headlines when he was coming in? It was Brian Robinson, who's now, you know, the lead guy there at Alabama. So you there's there's evidence of this everywhere. And again, it all goes back to trusting your own evaluations and the kids that you give that benefit of the doubt to having the information to see that, hey, they can commit to something and really stick it out, even if if it doesn't work out today. And, and that's harder to find. So anytime it's a. Uh, it's potentially on the docket. It's exciting as an evaluator to see. So I'll definitely be tracking this kid going forward. He's now the third offensive line commit in the class, um, joining Tegra Shibola and Colorado offensive tackle George Fitzpatrick. Of course, the staff is hoping to add one more player to the fold there. And this weekend is going to end up being very big in that respect because Texas's Cam Dewberry and California's Ernest Green are both making their way to campus this weekend. So where do you feel like Ohio State stands with both of those those players heading into this weekend? And do you think that either is particularly close to a decision? I think Ohio State's right in the mix for each of them, Andrew. Uh, I know Ernest Green has talked about popping in January. He's, he's playing in the Adidas uh, All-American Bowl. And I think that's going to be 
where he sticks unless something just takes him away on one of these visits, you know, and I know this Buckeye visit has been on the schedule or on the future schedule for quite some time. So I do think there's going to be some relief once he's actually in Columbus, but chief competition, right? George is heavily involved. Texas is heavily involved. And with green, you know, USC is kind of hanging around, even though they're, they're going through that coaching change. So to me, it says he's at least going to see who the new hire is, which we should know in about four weeks, five weeks, you know, December, first week of December should be about the timeline for for the big carousel um, carousels to move on the coaching front. So I think he gets to that point before making a decision, but look, man, all the Wyatt Davis stuff with Ernest, I think still resonates. He's similar in terms of what he can do in terms of playing multiple positions, both guard spots. I think he's got right tackle upside as well, which is something I know Ohio state, is going to sell. And uh, and he's, he comes from a big-time high school program, right? St. John Bosco. I think that stuff matters in terms of getting kids to buy in and understand the standard and the level of, of commitment you need from day one. So I think there's a lot of pro mentality at St. John Bosco, and there's obviously a lot of pro mentality at Ohio State. So I do think that those things um, resonate with one another. So I think the Buckeyes stay in that mix all the way through. There's a reason he's been fighting to get back to Columbus. And, and now we'll see what happens when he actually does. And then with Dewberry, I think it's more, uh, more of a classic player and more of a classic battle. I think this is much more narrow to where it's like, you got Texas and A&M and, and Ohio state's kind of the outlier in this thing. And the, the biggest thing with Dewberry is, is he done with officials after this? Um, Cause he took a bunch of them in the summertime and Texas was not one of them. So it's like Texas is trying to almost reserve that spot with Dewberry. So Texas is obviously the common opponent or common recruiting opponent with these two kids. And I think any either one of them would be great for Ohio State. I think they'd be happy with either one of them. You'd probably take both if they both say yes, let, let's say on this visit, which I don't think is going to happen. But I do think Dewberry, depending on if, if he's done with trips after this, could be closer to making a decision than Ernest Green, um, unless he schedules that Longhorns official, which would be his fifth and final at some point later this year. I think Texas has a, hand, a couple home games left. So obviously he'll be able to do that if he wants to. But I think the lack of a date right now kind of tells you where he is at this point in the process, which probably gives me more AM vibes. I know they had the buzz early in his recruitment. Um, and obviously AM on the field is, is doing their job and, and they, they are holding recruiting buzz with prospects, uh, of course, in their home state. So I think they have a bit of an edge there. But again, he's going up to Columbus. So, so we'll see if and when that changes. But I think splitting these two would be a heck of a win for Ohio State in one of the more unique offensive line halls in this class of 2022. I'm, I'm starting a series where I'm looking at position group halls uh, in, in this cycle. And Ohio State's isn't the sexiest offensive line group, but it is very, it's maybe the most interesting because it, it is varied in, in the Buckeye approach. So I'm really curious to see how it plays out, not only with that last guy, but obviously once they get to Columbus for good. I think that's really something that is going to be unique to look at just because I do, I, I agree with your assessment there where it is very, you know, very, like you said, and just that they seem to be able to play many different positions as, as opposed to like maybe pigeonholing them into one. Would you agree with that assessment? I would. I would. I think I think there's a lot of length with, with this group. And I think it's as part of a shift you're seeing with offensive line recruiting. 
it's not position laden like it used to be. And that's part of the reason why at, at SI we just rank interior offensive linemen and tackles because it's really, you don't have to lay, we don't need to label centers and guards and, and right tackle types. You're either an inside guy or an out. And, and if you're a hybrid, you can play more than one. So we're still kind of off. So I think those labels are shedding in general anyway. So I'm not surprised to see Ohio State on the front end of that trend as it continues to change um, because you're just recruiting offensive linemen nowadays to me because um, these offenses are much more uh, symmetrical, if that makes sense. You're not just running left like like we used to in the back in the day in an eye formation because your left side is your heavy side, and that's where your fullback's more comfortable leading the back to. Th those days are so far behind us. It's much more balanced. The play calling is more symmetrical. The, the alignment and the personnel does not dictate the play call like it used to. So I think you're recruiting more athletic, longer linemen as opposed to, hey, we need a guard. We need a right guard in this class. Like I haven't heard a college coach say anything like that in, in quite a while, and I don't think it's going to come back. For sure. So, you know, I'll end up leaving you with this. If you were to say going into this weekend, obviously Ohio State would love to have both Green and Dewberry the likelihood of it actually happening is probably slim just because, you know, of all the other players involved. But if you had to choose between them, which one would you say is more likely to end up with the Buckeyes? Oh, that's a good question. Put me on the spot. I, I think green a little bit more. Um, I think he is more built to be a national recruit. He is not as tied to, to the geographical element as to where Dewberry is looking at more regional options. Um, I, I think Green um, is is just more of a business-like approach in his recruitment. I think a lot of it has to do with his high school and, and the precedent set by, by Wyatt Davis. I, I think that absolutely factors in because you know those phone calls have been made and you know more of them are, along the, are on the way. So um, I, I think Green is slightly more likely, but uh, again, Ohio State's gone down to Texas and pulled out some big-time talent seemingly every cycle, so definitely not an easy call. Definitely. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how things kind of unfold this weekend with it being a big game, you know, sellout crowd, alternate uniforms, all that kind of stuff. So it'll definitely be fun to pay attention to. 100%. Yeah, I'll be watching. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you stopping by, John. We'll have to catch up again soon. Sounds good, my friend. Be good. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Building the Buckeyes. Signing off for SIL American Director of Recruiting, John Garcia. I'm Andrew Lind. Have a great night.